This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Glass Onion, colon, a Knives Out mystery. And uh, we're going to tell you uh, who lives, who dies. Uh, no, no, but we will tell you um, the mystery uh, will be uh, completed by Mr. Benoit Blanc. That's so long. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was no, that's it. That's, a, that's it oh. right there. That's done. <laughs> there we go. All right. Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is uh, he's on assignment. He, he is getting some much-needed R&R, and he will be back soon enough because we have a lot of stuff to cover uh, in the next uh, few weeks here, given all the movies that are being releases. Uh, with that said, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We also like, these, we also like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is uh, so a little different here. It's just a, it's just a, just a review. Uh, we just want to do a special review show to talk about Glass Onion, colon, a Knives Out mystery. Uh, we thought that'd be fun to get just one of the many new releases out there, especially since it's only in theaters for a week. Um, so I guess we're just teasing you now with our thoughts on Glass Onion before it comes out on Netflix. Who knows? Maybe Abe and I will do a more spoiler-focused episode when the Netflix release of the film comes out so we can talk about all the nooks and crannies of the latest Benoit Blanc mystery. But regardless, that is what we're going to talk about this evening. And joining me to do so, we have from the Brandon Peters Show and Why So Blue, oh, fiddlesticks, he's at it again. It's Brandon Peters. Hello, hello. Um, you know, I, I look like I have many layers, but you can see right straight at me. <laughs> Well, how are you doing, sir? I'm excellent. Uh, happy to be here. I'm. Uh, I was excited that you tapped me to talk about this one. So, thank you. Good, good. Glad, glad you're excited. Uh, did Did you have a happy Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, it was. I do solid. It's good old Thanksgiving. It was. I guess it was happy. <laughs> well, good. I I had a nice meal with my my lovely girlfriend and her family. It was good times. And happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners as well, especially the ones that aren't from America. Um, all right, let's um, gobble, gobble. Let's get let's get some some quick uh, show notes here. First up, um, iTunes views the ratings. It is great to get those. It helps out the show, helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search right now out there in your name. It can say that very thing, and you'll click it, and you'll be like, oh, there it is. And then you'll see all the show episodes, and be like, oh, yeah, there they are. And then you can click the review tab, and you can see, oh, look, all those reviews. And then you can press the write review button, and you can click, uh, you can uh, give us some stars and uh, a little written review. It'd be great. It'd help us out. People with iTunes charts. I think that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> it's I understood it. <laughs> uh what else commentary track brandon you do these with me uh I do we, I do we, rec we recorded a new commentary track as we do every month this month we did it in honor of the 25th anniversary of alien resurrection boy what a trip it was to see the 20th century facebook page promoting alien resurrection the other day <laughs> that made me laugh because <laughs> they're like why wouldn't we celebrate this mm -hmm. it's part of our key franchise uh but yeah brandon and i along with who was on? <laughs> Along with Matt, Mark, 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 Mark was on. Um, uh, we talked all about Alien Resurrection and had a damn fun time doing it. Uh, I, I'd argue that this might be my most enjoyable version of watching Alien Resurrection, but uh, we did just that. Uh, that's it was a I goopy do, good time. It was very goopy, slimy, uh, foggy, uh, smoky. A lot of a lot of things going on in that Alien movie. But uh, don't get confused. Scott was not on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Scott Goopy Mendelssohn, as we call him. Um, but yeah, so that's available now, along with all of our other commentaries and all the episodes that we do on iTunes and everybody can find our podcast. And uh, do stay tuned for December. Oh, boy. 
we there's there's a couple of massive James Cameron options that we could certainly tackle. So let's get ready. Get um, out of the way, water. <laughs> um, got it. Jeez, in a few weeks, we'll be able to see all three hours of that movie finally and be like, ah, oh, that was the way. Yeah. And then we'll everyone will agree, and there will be no controversy whatsoever. And Sorry, we'll Twitter, I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's uh let's move on from there. Let's get to some now quickies. TM. Thank you. Each week now we talk about cookies. TM. Thank you. Um, yeah, let's do it. Brandon, what Yo. other movies or whatever have you seen recently? Or whatever. Um, I have taken in. She said. Uh, which you talked about in your recent episode. I was <laughs> I don't know what to say about it without sounding like a jack ass, but it's 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 at the end of the day it's a it's a good movie, but it's not like this let's tout it out around town like it's one of the best movies type thing. Like it's kinda surprisingly sloppy, a lot of patting itself on the back. Like it, it feels like it wants to be uh, looked at as important rather than feeling like what they need to tell is important at times a lot. Um, some good, some solid performances stuff in it, but overall it was just kind of like it felt awkward at times. I, I don't know; it's real weird processing I it. it. I mean, that's um, that's where I was with it, and it's you know, it's a it's a shame because like there's certainly a story to get from that. It's mm-hmm. just. And yeah, it's it feels it's unfortunate that you have to like feel awkward not being able to promote promote you know a film that's dubbed important by default, but that's kind of its issue also. Like, yeah, it, it feels like it cleared the field just by being, just by existing without doing more yeah. of the work. So. Well, and, and having like Ashley Judd play herself feels like a pat on the back to itself. Almost. It's, it's a weird, I don't know how I feel about that. That's just, that's kind of, it was like, Oh, that's neat. But then I'm like, is it? <laughs> So I think I th- I mean I I like that that's a thing. At the same time, I wish the movie was mm-hmm. better to better support that. Yeah, um, yeah. But certainly, she's not the issue. Yeah. <laughs> like, let alone she's no, not in it no, that she's much. Not. So, she's so. not. Um, and I almost la- they used the guy from SNL to play Donald yeah, Trump. Trump. Yeah, I was like, well, yeah, he does do a good impersonation of all, all, all that. But, uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, hmm, I would. It, that's like totally a wait for Hulu movie. I in my mind. Um, but that's yeah, universal. It's a, it's going to be a Peacock special. You watch right. Min- you watch Minions and She Said back to back. There you go. If you liked Minions Rise of Gru. Or because you liked Minions Rise of Gru, yeah. check out uh, Halloween Ends and Minions Rise of Gru. <laughs> uh, so I took it that. I took it the Fablemans, which I'll say about that is just if you have a theater near you showing it, you that go see that beautiful movie. It is, and if you're a movie person, go see that movie. Um, just because it is that is the magic, the wonder captured. Uh, one of our greatest our tours lives on display, just spilling out one day. One day, somebody's going to make an awful biopic about Steven Spielberg, and someone needs to say, no, 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 no. We have the Fablemans, okay? We don't need that. One day, that's going to happen, and we're going to be like, dude, you just watch the Fablemans. Just no. Well, like, wouldn't his estate have to sell that to somebody to somebody? <laughs> well, I don't know his kids. Do you know his kids? Do I know Max Spielberg? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm assuming one of his kids' names is Max <laughs> I know it's like I know his like stepdaughter, but like that's all I all I know. She was in Valentine and on Grey's Anatomy, but that's about um 
that's all I know. Uh, but yeah, so that it's what it, one of the cool. Yeah, just go see it. Never mind. Um, uh, 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 so women talking. They do a lot of talking. Um, I'm not sure Amish women would speak like that a lot of times, but it's an entertaining uh, 12 Angry Men, but with women movie. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I want to I want to bump because it was a lot of work um, recently on Why So Blue. Uh, I reviewed the Sony Pictures Classics uh, 30th Anniversary 4K Ultra HD set. It's wonderful to go through. Um, I got through it really fast, but you know what? When you're watching mainly great films, it's really easy to slide through something like that, especially when there's not a lot of added bonus features, but they have like added some bonus features to it, but it's got like Volver, Run Lola Run on it, Call Me By Your Name, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, like all, like uh, it's a great thing. Like I'd never seen Orlando before. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty nifty movie. Have you seen Orlando? Uh, the movie, see- not I the saw- city. I saw clips of it a long time ago in college and I never saw the whole thing. And now there's like a convenient way to watch it. So I'm like, oh, cool. All right. It feels kind of proto Fleabag. Like it is really uh, interesting in in many ways. Um, I I like how, like how much variety there is in this set. Like I like mm -hmm, that there's a a number of foreign language titles. Uh, There's a number, like just the, you know, what they're picking and choosing I thought was pretty pretty solid for a set like that it's, yeah it's a, it's a beautiful it is a very it, it comes with a price tag folks um but it's a wonderful i don't know if any of these are going to get individual releases um i know columbia columbia classics ones which they also do. sony puts out they got they eventually get uh yeah. individual releases but i imagine these will maybe i don't know like i can't i can't see celluloid closet just getting a standard release though that that feels like a toss in with this one um, but you never know. Um, that's a that's a good documentary too, uh, which is you know just all the stuff in the set. There, I mean, like for the, the words. Sorry for the record, Stephen's first son. His name is Max. So there you <laughs> oh, go. There you go. Follow it up. Follow it up. Uh, yeah. So that's that. That'd be my quickies. Uh, that that box set's wonderful. Um, check it out. There's a lot of we are loaded with great releases this fall. Like normally they're about slowing up, but December's full of stuff. Um, and then. Uh, the month uh, January takes off, and then there's February stacked right now. Um, with upcoming 4K, uh, releases and such. But yeah, this is the thing. This is like you know, if you're a film nut, uh, a collector, put it on your gift, uh, guide for this winter. Yeah, physical media fans uh, certainly have plenty to plenty to for shop you. for. Um, seen a number of things. Um, that I can't talk about because we'll be probably doing various special episodes on these new releases. But there are things that I did catch up with or rewatched. Uh, but I will talk about this because I know you saw this too. The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Mm-hmm. Um, Forgot James, about that. Yeah. This was this was apparently the first Marvel TV idea pitched to Disney Plus. Oh. Uh, and, and James James Gunn was like, you know, why not? Uh, <laughs> why don't we do something like this? Um, and they completely delivered. Like last month, we got Werewolf by Night, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fun. It's just yep. like a fun diversion. I like it. I like the idea of like a one-off special. And this is in the same league and better. I, I this is maybe the best um, Marvel D- Disney Plus TV experiment that I've seen at this point. Like I think it's yep. really well done. Everything that I like about Guardians of the Galaxy is present here. Um, it's a nifty 40 minutes. Like it, it takes no time to watch. It's a breeze, but I mean, I just, 
and I, I, you know, I, I messaged you about this. It's like, how, how is James Gunn just doing this better? Like it, he has the same limitations as everybody, you know, the other directors, the yep. other directors that they hire for the MCU are very good directors. That's why they get them to begin with. Yet James Gunn, just like his tone and his writing and his direction. And then the people he brings on to get like a terrific makeup effects and visuals and the soundtracks, of course, and everything. It just all coheres so much better than most of the stuff I see, even like guardians Two, which I'm like, okay on, I look forward to revisiting it, but like, I can still see the technical aspects of it just shine right. through better than most of the other films. It's just, it's impressive. It is. Uh, and I mean, even some of the like, weirder looking maybe like didn't have enough time in post-production stuff works like there's a there's a scene where mantis is jumping around walls and i'm kind of like that's uh-huh. weird looking but fine i'm cool with it it's a power it's a superpower but uh yeah he he knows he knows if i like he knows film but he also knows tv and what you what you should and should be like can be doing like because it's this thing has limited sets mm-hmm. it goes right to earth to save some money yeah um and like but it's not bothersome and feel like oh cheapos it, it felt natural and it felt like it knew how to do a holiday special thing from like back in the 90s and 80s like it it captured that sort of magic and this feels like something i'm really gonna turn on annually yeah during this time of year like it's instant classic right there it's and it's stunning that this happened but yeah it's super fun. Um, and it's got like what the old 97s on the soundtrack to it. So it's like, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's just got a lot of like good stuff in it. And it packs in like some emotion. Like it's really funny, but like mm-hmm. it gives you like some nice opening and closer it's, stuff. Yeah, it's very yeah. sincere. And so it like you feel the messaging come across in an authentic way. So it's like yeah. good for you, James Gunn, for delivering this thing and good for this Guardians cast for just getting me, you know. It's it's not even hinting at what Guardians Three is going to be, but it's like this is already ramping me up for the next Guardians movie. Like I don't well, know why it wouldn't be. But. It's a nice. It's kind of interesting too. I'm I'm gonna wonder how this plays out because I've noticed there are some people with Marvel that don't they don't watch everything. They don't watch all of them, and the Guardians seems to have a sect of popularity that is separate, can be separate from the rest of them. I know plenty of people have just watched the Guardians movies. They're not into Marvel. And I'm going to sure. wonder, going into that third one, a lot has changed that they weren't told via the movies. So I'm going to wonder how that plays out, if it can play out naturalistically like a Guardians 3. Or is this holiday a buffer to be like, whoa, something's different here, Do and I need to go check things out. I don't know. It's It's interesting, but we so shall we- see. I'll be curious to visit two again for that reason, because two, like two, is a pretty direct sequel to one, so it helps in right. that matter. Like, but, but yeah, yeah, I know what the, you're saying. There's with like... Endgame, they got shaken up the most, I think, of any of these standard series. That's fair. At the same time, I mean, the worlds. I mean, Endgame's, you know, next to Avatar's the other biggest right. film of all time, so it's kind mm-hmm. of like. I mean, how many people really were walking into three? <laughs> didn't see you never know. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I want to say majority is going to be know what's going on but there are I, I just wonder that person that just watches guardians is like eh, i don't need to watch this big crossover thing i also um, trust james gunn enough to know how to like oh yeah handle that kind of situation which would you know comes yeah. down to why is gamora not around like that's that's really right. like the question that they have to ask <laughs> yes a uh, thousand percent yeah so yeah also yeah good weekend for uh dave batista too 
Yeah, Batista yeah. doing his thing. Um, so yeah, I watched that, which was you know great. Um, I rewatched a couple of things uh, to obviously to prepare myself for Avatar: The Way of Water. I naturally picked the best James Cameron film that made the most sense for that, which was True Lies, um, which is available on Hulu now on HD. Uh, part of why I watched it uh, because the pan and scan DVD that I have is um, very. <laughs> irritating <laughs> to to own mm-hmm. uh, any other way of properly watching that film uh, it's been a minute since I watched True Lies again because it's generally not streaming very often and because I only have a DVD that I refuse to watch uh, that movie is very fun uh, mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis uh, having a lot of fun uh, that film then Bill Paxton arrives to be like hey remember all that fun you're having here's some more uh, so there's just a lot going on as far as a kind of satirical spy comedy that happens to have like the biggest movie star in the world and the biggest director in the world at that time casually spending a hundred million dollars to um, like do something that Cameron could basically do in his sleep, which mm-hmm. is like that's the constantly the vibe I get from that movie, despite like how well done it is. It just feels like it, it, like if the this is Cameron slumming and that's impressive. <laughs> it's like right. yeah, why yeah. not? You know, I just made T two. I'm working on this boat movie. What can I do in between? I could remake a random French comedy with Arnold Schwarzenegger and see how that goes. And it just kind of throws it out there. Now that was that was the second time people doubted him, right? Because they doubted Terminator needed to be as big as it was, and um, then they doubted True Lies needed to cost as much as it did. I think is at, at like a kind of a press level, yes. Yes. As far as a people in his, you know in his radius like doubting him like you know the aliens crew didn't take him seriously so he fired him right (laughs) and the abyss was like a nightmare for everybody so that was less about doubt and it also didn't pan out as Mm -hmm. well as he would have liked but yeah in terms of like yeah he spends a bunch on t2 people are like this this is a lot of money he's like yeah and (laughs) he makes they will come yeah did True Lies get doubted though? I mean, yeah, Lies... I got doubted. It, cost... it was the most expensive movie. Yeah, it was the most the expensive time. movie yeah. at the time. Yeah, and then it made money. Um, and then Titanic. I guess because was it's doubted. after it's coming after Arnold's like having done Last Action Hero, mm-hmm. right at that point, and James Cameron is, you know, it's like, well, you did it already, so how could you possibly do it again? So right. I can I can understand that kind of frame of mind. He's like, you want Last Action Hero? I'll show you Last Action Hero. Yeah. <laughs> And then, of course, we're going to talk a lot more about this because we have a lot of time to do so in our right. Avatar commentary track. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, True Lies, fun movie. Um, I also watched The Mist again for its 15th anniversary and because it's just, you know, a Thanksgiving classic, as we all remember. Uh, did you see The Mist in theaters? Uh, I didn't. I The first chance I got was actually when I w- when it came to Blu-ray. I worked on it, and I got the disc, and I was like, I got the uh, I watched the color one, and I didn't know there was a second. Di- and then we got the next day, we got a disc that was black and white. I'm like black and white, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Um, but yeah, uh, so I I got it. I think I worked. I they think they sent those discs like around release time, so I was working on them, and I was like, well, that'll save me a trip to the theater. <laughs> so that would happen sometimes. Yeah, I watched, so I watched The Mystic. I've seen it plenty of times, and I I did see it in theaters. And I'm if I'm not mistaken, I'm because it came out Thanksgiving weekend, 2007. I'm pretty sure I saw Enchanted, then The Mist, like one after the other. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was certainly a memorable week. 
but um, I'm Enchanted I've, had the more depressing ending, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always been a fan of the Mist. I think it's mm-hmm. a, and it's only it's it's grown over time because it's because of the way the way it's shot, the way it's structured, and how big the characters have to get at certain points. I can understand it throwing people even before it gets to the ending and stuff. I can understand it throwing people off because it's, it has a very like Darabont's doing something with this. It has this kind of old fashioned feel right. despite being modern. And, you know, the more I watch it, the more you just like really tap into these performances. And I think there's just so many great people here with Thomas Jane and Andre Bauer and Marcia Gayhart and among others, uh, and like a lot of like walking dead alums. And yeah, Frank it Darabont. feels like his warm up to walking dead too. Like it's like, mm-hmm. Not that it was or anything like that, but it just it um accidentally is like, oh yeah, he was ready you to go. You can see what he's tapping into. Yeah, yeah. It, which helped because it's I so I read this very long uh 15th anniversary uh oral history of the mist that over at Slash Film, um, which is incredibly detailed. I mean, like because it's one one of the writers that used to be like, ain't it cool that's just used to doing these like deep dives. And um I knew this already, but like they, he used the the TV crew from the Shield at the time, so he's already using like a oh, TV crew. Okay. And the Shield crew, they they had like a basically like guerrilla filmmaking when they were making that show, um, and so it's and you can see it in the mist as well, which is also why it's like an interesting looking movie because you have these kind of old fashioned performances, mm-hmm. but you also have like snap zooms taking place and a lot of roving cameras and whatnot. So it's just a you know beyond just enjoying it because like this movie's interesting and weirdly scary and whatnot like it's just a, it's kind of a fascinating piece of filmmaking from the guy that's doing something more classical like shawshank or green mile mm-hmm. this movie feels like a dirt you know and after the majestic this movie feels like a different you know just going a completely different direction despite being another stephen king adaptation so yeah and I, i'm not like he was fighting them the whole time about the black and white thing and even shooting the film like hoping it would be black and white so there's some stuff that doesn't pan out in color but it does in black and white it's mainly visual effects mm-hmm. but um but yeah, that was just an interesting group. And that was the first one of the first like, hey, look, here's a black and white version of this color movie. And it wasn't really I mean, it's happened since, but it hasn't really been a super trend. But um, that one was the one that actually makes sense being that way rather than Logan Noir and Blood and Chrome. And mm-hmm. yeah. Blood and Chrome's especially because it's like Fury Road's such a beautiful movie. Like, I it's know. So like, what are you big. doing? Don't zap it. <laughs> That's not the movie to take away the color from. Yeah. Um. Uh, so what else? Uh, the last thing I watched is uh, Lost Bullet Two. Have you seen Lost Bullet, Brandon, or Lost Bullet? Uh-huh. These are it's a net, it's a French film that are they're both on Netflix. Nope. Uh, it's from director Guillaume Pierre. Um. The it's basically like standard like cop drama set up for an action movie uh but the key thing is like the main guy um he's really good at driving wheelman he's a wheelman but he's a cop but he but he, he knows how to drive and he had he work he works on his car all the time and so like he has a really souped up car and he's really good at it so the first one i remember seeing and being like oh this is fun and then i saw lost bullet 2 appeared on here and it's like years later i'm thinking did I see Lost Bullet? I looked on the letterbox. Sure enough, I have a rating for it. Sure enough, I probably wrote about it somewhere. So it's like, okay, cool. Lost Bullet 2, let's do this. And it's it's fun. It's super fun. It's more, and it has okay. more like car stuff. Like there's literally like, a, <laughs> like the thing with this one is he has his souped up car. And at one point he has to, 
he has to modify it by putting like two electric rods on the front of the car so he can like hmm. speed up behind the car and then like charge him to blow him off the road. It's fucking sick. Like it's really it's really <laughs> wild. And it's like the the plotting of these things is like whatever. It's like all right, somebody's corrupt. We gotta get this guy to one place to the other. There's shootouts and what have you. Also, cool car stuff. Like that's really what it comes down to. It's okay. well acted. It's very. It's pretty brief. They're not very long films. I think they're like ninety ish, maybe a hundred minutes at most. But it does the job. So uh, yeah, these lost bullet movies. If they keep making more of these, I'm um, I'm into it. If they keep making <laughs> random okay. car stuff in between, you know, uh, uh, George Miller car movies, this will satisfy me. All right. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Okay. That's enough, please. TM. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's get to our main review for Glass Onion, Colin, a Knives Out mystery. Hello. Oh, my God. Crew, we've arrived. Disruptors have assembled. Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. <laughs> Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prompt, I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. This is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? Alibari. Uh, that has a kick. Oh my God! What happened? Oh, holy shit! That should have been some of the trailer for Glass Onion. Following a totally appreciated and not all convert controversial stab at Star Wars, uh, writer-director Ryan Johnson <laughs> delivered an original murder mystery in the form of Knives Out, a caper with an ensemble cast, including a wonderful new role for Daniel Craig as Detective Benoit Blanc. That modestly budgeted feature scored over $300 million at the box office. And then, in what could almost be seen as an act of desperation, Netflix then bought the rights to two more Benoit Blanc mysteries for $469 million. That has led to us. That has led us to Glass Onion, a follow-up featuring Blanc as the only returning character. This time around, he finds himself on a private Greek island owned by Edward Norton's Miles Braun, a tech billionaire who has invited all of his friends for a murder mystery party over the weekend. But why is Blanc here? Either someone invited him as a cheeky addition, or there are more sinister plans afoot. Brandon, were you a fan of the first Knives Out mystery titled Knives Out? <laughs> what did you think of this film? Knives Out, a a a uh, Ryan Johnson mystery. What's funny is I, I feel like they probably got a log fine as far as making this film, but like the one point of contention was I bet Ryan John was was like, let's call it a Benoit Blanc mystery, and Netflix is like, SEO, we gotta call it a Knives Out mystery. So dumb. Yeah. Uh then he looked at his pocketbook and was like, eh, I guess. <laughs> uh a pocketbook from Netflix, which could have probably been made back for both movies in just the one, but we'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. Um, Knives Out was my number three movie, uh, believe it or not, of 2020 so i guess i you know i was in 19 2019 i guess yeah, tw yeah or yeah, i think my list posted in 2020 that, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so um for 2019 um i was a real big fan of it it just was the uh, he aced and it 
in advance all the like classic murder mystery movies of like the 70s and stuff tropes and everything uh just that awesome cast um it excelled Ana de Armas like from this girl that kept popping up and they're telling us she was something big and then he's like he's like the guy who knew how to utilize her talents in an interesting way a way you weren't expecting and to make her like kind of blow up as an even bigger star um as she was um and I think has jumped it gave her career even more of a jump with that, just good character and stuff like that. Plus he's got, you know, great cat, some good work from like Don Johnson. Um, I like the look, the feel of it. It was just my kind of fun at the movies. Like it was, is you know, it was, it, I had an awesome time. So um, I left the movie going, man, I would see 10 more of these, like just clever little mysteries um, with uh, good ensemble casts and just, creative ways of, of doing things um so that's where i was at with so what'd you I, think of this i was out um i right up there it's back like <laughs> there's a magic touch um this is different uh it's in the same realm of murder mystery uh but it's very different it does um it gets younger and sexier with the cast here because i was like thinking about the other one i'm like well that one's got this homely traditional fall feel to it and all the cast is aged veterans like you know you had your don johnson jamie lee curtis christopher Plummer, um michael shannon here you've got like you got ed norton's probably the oldest geezer there but um you've got like batista um you've got uh uh well, it and Leslie Odom Jr. It yeah, the cast. Uh, but they felt the younger, sexier type of it. Um, and this is a nice, like, kickstart comeback for, like, Kate Hudson, who's fun as hell in this movie. Um, and it changes the setting. It's like, hey, we're, while, you know, we have to give you the same because this is a Benoit Blanc mystery and you've got to have the Agatha Christie setup of certain people at a secluded place. But we are going to do things differently. And by differently, it's not just a simple change in locale. It's different types of rich pricks. And narratively, <laughs> it is different than Knives Out. Like it, And it plays against type. Like it, It's like, oh, I know how traditional murder mysteries go. Well, you do and you don't. Um, and the movie's full of surprises. It's full of, uh, you know, turns on its narrative structure and, and so am i allowed to say that kind of yeah that's fair all right um it bends around uh and it's it's, it's funny <laughs> like that <laughs> uh it's really genuinely funny um it's got like it, it's one of those ones where you like you even if you're not trying to figure it out on your own you're having a damn good time watching other people in the film trying to figure it out uh, which was sort of the some of the joys of like the first knives out um this one uh we get more benoit whereas we were more uh with ana de armas the last time this one we now know benoit he's our carryover character so we are going to follow him um more than we did the last one and crutch on him um as opposed to our group of people and also i wondered going in today how's he gonna fit noah sagan into this movie <laughs> my question was answered 
beautifully. Um, but yeah, so that's my little first take. I, I'd say it is um, generally it holds up to Knives Out and does some things better than Knives Out. That, that would be Knives Out, the Knives Out, not Glass Onion and Knives Out mystery. So there you go. I, I'm actually with you on, I mean, all of that really as far as just the entertainment value and like what it's doing here. I like Knives Out quite a bit. Uh, for me, Ryan Johnson has not missed whatsoever. I think he's all of his films are better than good, um, and which is weird because like Knives Out, I technically I'd rank lowest, but it's not like I dislike the film whatsoever. It's just like I just you know, I like Brothers a little more. Um, but but regardless, um, the, it's Knives Out was just a really entertaining murder mystery that I had like minor squabbles with that feel like they're you know they're rectified in this film where. The main thing being, I felt the mystery was the solve of the mystery seemed too easy for me in Knives Out, where this one I felt like it kept me guessing more. Um, that's not a thing I need to focus on too much. It's just more like I what I'm saying is I just enjoyed the mystery at play better here because I felt more challenged by it in addition to all the other fun stuff that's going on in this movie. Um, regardless of that, because we don't need to talk about spoilers anyway, or let alone reflect on Knives Out more. I just thought this movie is just a blast to watch from beginning to end. It's a long, it's a long movie. It's two hours and like twenty minutes with credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, there's not a period here where I'm like, we could, we really need to move on. I just enjoyed being in this world with Benoit Blanc and this cast. Like, it's super entertaining. It's super clever. It has a lot of wit to it in the writing and the dialogue. Um, the the use of Benoit Blanc, I really appreciate it. I like that they give us more of who his character is, you know, without kind of going way overboard and trying to give us a deep character study of Benoit Blanc. It's more of, well, we got him the first time. What can we do to dig into him? And I like that Johnson has basically done that with this film. It's like he's found a way to recalibrate how to do one of these while, like you said, still fitting in as a murder mystery story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very clever in the way it knows how to be different enough but still give you the same kind of like yeah we're still you know a Benoit Blanc mystery we're just doing it slightly different if anything I'd say it it plays like a novel coming to life I do think it kind of unfolds in a way that mm-hmm. you could read in a book like and just how you learn certain things and how the editing functions and the narrative twists on itself to like deliver information that you could understandably get in a novel by perhaps flashing back or forward or what have you. Uh, it's like, all oh, that stuff's very good. And then, yes, you have this ensemble cast um, that are just terrific here. Uh, well, we can talk about these this more as we go along as far as these individual players or whatnot. But I just, you know, people signing up for these movies, they all seem to like having a good time. And that shows in this film. Um, and like you said, also, um, the you know, I, I enjoyed that it's a change of scenery in a way that like fits. Yes. The first one mm-hmm. was like a very autumnal indoors uh, kind of, uh, you know, more uh, house written traditional kind of feeling where this one is, yeah, this kind of sun soaked Greek aisle. Uh, so, you know, it, it just gives a different flavor to this film compared to this. It's just nice ways to kind of separate it out from the, from the first film. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so you have, you know, by the time I say by the time we get through all the Benoit Blanc mysteries, we'll have a spring one and a, and a, right. a, 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 a winter one. And, well, this was also a pandemic one. It takes place during yeah, very explicitly pand- set during yeah. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another thing. I like that the film, like much like the first one, which very much had Trump's America in mind, along with like 
class-based issues and what have you. This film mm-hmm. is going for different targets. It's going after like tech bros and like clout chasers and online culture and yep. a different you know. bunch of shitheads. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, it, it is. A, I mean, I. It's nice to have meat on the bones of a movie like this, where it could just be mm-hmm. a standard mystery story. But no, it, you know, Johnson has things he can easily say, and he's doing that with this film. So yeah, well, just a really I'll- fun time. I'll, I'll say this one where I, I felt like it had a leg up on Knives, Knives Out, a, a colon an original mystery, um, was in Knives Out. I enjoyed seeing the characters in that together conversing, having scenes because I wanted to solve the mystery, and I felt like that was giving uh-huh. me clues to there. This one, these characters, I enjoyed. That's part of the joy of these movies is it, regardless of mystery, it's fun to watch them share scenes. Yeah. This one, I was interested in their past together as much yeah. as I was solving the mystery. Like I was, I was interested in their relationships, where they came from, what was before and what was after that has nothing to do with the mystery really. And I was interested in, I was intrigued by that. That's a good <laughs> point. Is- yeah. Because like, you know, the first film is focused around a family. And so there's an implied kinship that goes there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously you learn more about them, but yes, you don't, you know, you don't mm-hmm. need to take too many steps to be like, why are these people all together? Where this film, yeah, I did enjoy the fact that the disruptors, as they call themselves, uh, yeah. you come to understand like what it, especially because there's such a unique group of individuals when you look at, Right. You have you have Kate Hudson's like ex model fashion designer and Dave Batista who's like a men's act men's rights activist slash tweet twitch streamer. So it's like, why are these guys friends? So and a scientist and, and, well, Catherine and, Han as like a, 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 a con- mom slash congresswoman politician. running yeah. she's like a governor running for Senate or whatever. Like, yeah. It's, it's like why are these people all friends? So yeah, I do like the film, especially because you have this also, like knives out right away you know what the mystery is i this film mm-hmm. takes its time to establish what the mystery is supposed to be like so it's i like that and it's taking those approaches i enjoy it because all in all the the mystery of this is it like long but it's so entertaining around it like it's weird um to talk about but like i was impressed with that a lot um cuz uh, of some choices made but um yeah th- that was part of the playing against of what i was thinking was going on but that's part of the brilliance of the movie is just enjoying characters together almost you know a mystery is going to happen you're like, okay where is it going to happen what's it going to do and johnson has such a unique way with both of these movies of not just giving you a whodunit there's mm-hmm. more to every whodunit uh, there's more to telling how there's the whodunit, and there's more to the reveal of it all with the whodunit. For sure. The solve is certainly like there's something there, but yes, the fact that you're taking a journey to get to that is very important, and the film knows how to mm-hmm. play with that. Like, you're, I like that the, you know, even before you recognize that there's a mystery afoot, you're still mm-hmm. sitting there looking at all of the stuff going on because the production design is very elaborate, and there's obviously clues you know, all over the place. A good point to make also, the film doesn't cheat, uh, which I appreciate. Nope. I, there's, that's not to say one could just eat, I don't know, maybe somebody could just easily solve this right away. But I do I do think the film is designed for rewatches just because you can understand how much stuff is just being placed right there in front of you to figure mm-hmm. out as you go along. So there's a, yeah, there's, that's a, there's a lot of ways to 
intrigue the viewer in that manner. Yeah, and they're also, even though we've met him and we've known him for a film, and he's our in and he's our guy, they play with our expectation of Benoit Blanc, and he's even got one up on us a lot of the time as well. Whereas we thought we're comfortable going in, where we're going to go with him. There's some trickiness to his character in this one that I really appreciated uh, and playing with my own. It plays with your own expectation on him and um, flips table in some ways that I, I liked as, as well without trying to go into certain things. Mm-hmm. But they they kind of make us feel a certain way about him. And then like an onion, you peel back, go, oh, okay, well, and then again, they'll peel back and, and you're like, oh, Okay, Benoit. So it's not quite as comfortable as you are with him. You're not, if that makes sense. I can explain that off air later, <laughs> but I, I I enjoyed that aspect of it too. Uh, Johnson's not like he's not satisfied with just doing this again, which is is apparent. Um, he's gotta he's gotta have a reason. So that tells me when he wrote Knives Out one, he's got reasons to do other Knives Out. Um, other than just like, who did it? How's Benoit going to solve this one? He's got something to say with these as well. And, sure. and the fact that he's done rich people twice um, and made it completely fresh and different. Great. We got traditional rich last time. We have more modern rich this time, probably. We've got company family rich. And now we have, yeah, these more modern, like young upstart like maybe shouldn't have made so much money so fast type people. Another thing that I appreciated about the film is it feels like it's, it's not winking, but it does feel like it's in on how it, how it exists in this world as far as being Mm -hmm. a, you know, Netflix bought the rights to us kind of thing where the film still has, I believe the same budget as the first film. If not, I would imagine, yeah, if not, maybe a little bit more, but regardless, it's not a big change. But it feels like it's flaunting its own status in the way, especially in the first 45 minutes, as far as like when we're introduced to Benoit Blanc, he has a celebrity filled Zoom group that he's with. It's like doing things that feel like it, like even like Edward Orton's Island, it feels like it's there are like visual effects that you don't necessarily need. But the film feels like it's priding itself on the fact it's like, look, we're a sequel. Why not go bigger? Right. Like it feels right. like, it, but it feels like it's doing that very deliberately to not necessarily be like this deconstruction on sequels, but certainly like feels like that's a background element as far as Johnson being a little bit like snarky as far well, as just making a film like this. There's almost like there was almost like a, a oh, that Wednesday TV quality of the cast because, um, because I, I believe like what was it Kaylee Quacro said like she was in contention she was up for the Kate Hudson, Kate, role. Hudson part and didn't get it. And I was like, well, that would have been even more push into that TV streaming feel. Which this does not have, by the way. I'm just saying in terms of casting. Um, but there, there's some people that were announced in this cast that wound up just being cameos. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them right before they get on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, yeah. For, oh, that's it. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah. So there is that Netflix thing. and um, But the, the cinematography and stuff um, still looking real good which johnson's got a good one yeah he's uh, got he, steve yedlin and doing his he's got all the uh, same guys he's got steve yedlin bob Duse, mm-hmm. as his editor and uh, his brother nathan johnson doing the score yeah. it's like, like he's got he all some, his people 
really flashy stuff. I mean, there's some really cool stuff going on with the, the cinematography here that's different than um, the Knives Out, but still on the same wavelength and just very exploratory. And I actually read like a, I read an article uh, from him from like two years ago about digital uh, photography and figuring out how to make it stand up to film. And it's it's very fascinating um, with what he did on uh last jedi and knives out and of course continuing here that he's kind of figured out because basically you just have to be a good cinematographer no cameras no processing and all that sort of stuff um and it won't matter what you're using but kind of lacking in you know deacons level type people nowadays but (laughs) um just there's too many movies being made that's part of the thing but um yeah this one holds up with that and um there's some really clever stuff going on and classic kind of angles and things to tell some of the mystery as well. For sure. Which is definitely. Which this one, was Knives Out 235? And this is 185 now? Is that? That's a fun question. I don't know the answer I to offhand. Um, I don't think he, they don't generally like change it up like that if he doesn't have to. Well, I think like Netflix would, would prefer the... I just tried to get. Oh no! When I was out, was one eighty five. It was one eighty five, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just tried. Like, I think of shots of like the house, and it's like mm-hmm. it feels tall. <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, just uh, screwing around that, but yep. So they're same. Same, um, same. To get to talk about these questions a little bit, or talk about these characters a little bit more, I just ask you, uh, just to like narrow in, who are your like three favorite characters of these of this cast? Um. I I would say, uh, I I really, I, I don't know if it was just I was happy to see Kate Hudson in something substantial again. Um, but I was enjoying her. Uh, there she's very um, funny here. Like, yeah, it, yeah. you know, I can't speak. I haven't seen all of the various rom coms that she's been in, and I'm sure they have mm-hmm. their fans. Like some of the ones have to be better than the others. But I mean, yeah, it's been a minute since like she had a a level of praise that matched almost famous, which you got mm-hmm. an Oscar nomination for. So seeing her being utilized in a way by a director that seems to know what he wants to get out of mm-hmm. the performance. It's very funny. Like watching her play this kind of ditzy character who constantly screams when things are going terribly and which is always very funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, her deliveries on her kind of uh, ignorance and stupidity with her character as well are, are quite good. And I mean, she's got, good chemistry with pretty much the cast uh most of the cast and um uh wow what's her name from glow hand um jennifer henwick <laughs> glow hand yeah just jessica henwick jessica henwick yeah from She's iron got, fist from iron fist yeah go with that um yeah ed norton is really fun here too um and uh yeah that, that's well, i would I agree I, ed norton's my other pick here i think he's He's pl- um, he's playing off his own image a little bit, even that he's playing like a tech billionaire guy. I do think there's mm-hmm. a little knowingness to this way he's presenting himself. It's kind of like, yeah. hey, I'm you know, I'm just a I'm just a simple hippie. Also, I love technology. Like it's there's a lot of and this sense of vanity that seems to be apparent there. There's just a lot of fun with that character, right? And I mean, of course, Janelle Monae. That's like dumb to not say she's not doing impressive stuff here, but because, uh, um. She's quite, she gets to, she contrasts, she conflicts with and contrasts to the main cast in, in an intentional way. Yeah. Like um, the, 
without going into things, like the characters are all friends, and Janelle Monet is the only one that's been kind of alienated for some reason. And the way this film works that in, I think, is quite clever and gives her a good amount to do with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's uh, she's uh, very good. Like I think, like I was enjoy like I enjoy Catherine Hahn because she's Catherine Hahn and she brings a Catherine Hahn here. But uh, um, I don't think it's much different than anything else you've seen with her. But you, sure. she brings that energy, and that's what you want. Uh, Leslie Odom's good. Uh, Could have given him a little more, but he's fine here. And Batista's giving Batista stuff as well. So like, that's kind of why I would it, pick the three I picked, even though. Ed Norton, you've seen him kind of do this stuff. It's just good because Ed Norton and Kate Hudson is because I haven't seen them in a while doing this this kind of work. Sure. Let alone Ed Norton doing like a comedy, essentially, like which he doesn't do very often. I mean, Death to Smoochie and then the Priest one. You know, we've seen him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But back, you know, 20 years ago, he was just <laughs> knocking out comedies left and right. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Batista's so interesting to me where it's yeah. like, he, like he's a good actor clearly he has plenty yeah. of presence and I just like I can't get a read on like what he is outside of all of this because he has like all of these tattoos and the way the film uses them is so like aggressive but it's like yeah. he's like such a gentle spirit kind of guy when you look at him like in yeah. interviews and stuff so it's like but like given this kind of movie which he hasn't really gotten. He hasn't really gotten to play this kind of character in a movie, right? He's generally more reserved in the roles that he's been given so far in film. Yeah, here, yeah. Here he's playing a little more out of control, and it's he's a little, yeah. He's a little, yeah, 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 yeah. This is like, um, like a, a Drax without being monotone type thing, where he's allowed sure. to be a bit crazy. Um, and we've seen him tip this way in movies, but never full on, yeah, roll out. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And he's just doing. I, I swear you, I've told you this many times. One day, people are gonna act surprised, but he's gonna direct a film, and people are gonna be like, "Wow, that was really good." And that came from Dave Bautista. Because look at what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. he is working with known good direct. Like his next one's with M Night Shyamalan. Like the guy's taking notes. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, he's taking notes. He loves movies. And he's taking notes. That's all I gotta say. And then, of course, Daniel Craig is just crushing it here. Oh, like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. He's so good playing this. And, like, just getting new angles on where he's coming from. And, like, and even to, like, how it's informed by, like, his, the costume choices they have for him. Where he has all these neck mm-hmm. scarves. He has that wonderful swim costume that's, like, all blue and white lines. <laughs> he's got a hat. He's got a, he's got a hat. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's, like... You know, obviously there's like key detectives you can call as far as like the you know the best cinematic detectives or whatever, but like there's a lot of Columbo in him as far as oh, yeah, yeah, doing yeah. like shtick on purpose because that's his way. <laughs> the <laughs> cigar. He, yeah. And yeah. a lot of the oh, you got the Columbo kind of like the way he kinda, point. The way he kind of plays into like his own southern eccentricities mm-hmm. uh is knowing that he's doing it for a reason like that's just fun that's that's just really fun to see him make this character and like find new shades that makes me look forward to more benoit blanc mysteries of mm-hmm. him where he can further you know delve into his character while still being this guy <laughs> right right more knives out mysteries yeah. uh yeah offhand is there anyone you'd cast in another benoit blanc mystery? i was gonna ask you that uh, uh-huh. i was thinking about this um and I, I was thinking, like, uh, I feel like 
like Javier Bardem would work in one of these. Sure. Um, his wife would be great uh, in one of these. Um, <laughs> uh huh. Oh man. Uh, bring back like someone old school, like a like putting Diane Keaton in something like this might be fun. She's not been in a like high profile project in a while. Um, and you know she was in a movie called Manhattan Murder Mystery. So that so it's just right up her alley, right up her alley. Um, yeah. they could do. They could, the plot could be the plot deleted from Annie Hall. That's what they could do. There you go. Yes, <laughs> there we go. Uh, that's um, what they did. You know who'd be fun to see in something like this? Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah, yeah. I think there's a way to go where you could have Eddie Murphy playing into a movie like this. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, and I feel like Johnson could get like stuff that people like. Well, I liked it when Eddie was like this, but in such a unique way uh-huh. that it's new and fresh, but you're getting that old Murphy vibe. I feel like he could pull that. He could pull that out, which I know Eddie's not afraid to do that anymore now because he likes to work. But um, yeah, the Eddie Murphy. Oh, that'd be great. That's like such. That's good left field stuff because it's not left field, but they'd be like, oh, Eddie Murphy's doing Knives Out 3. <laughs> like, Yeah. Or he's in Knives Out 6? Wow, they're going real back with this. Uh, Yeah, Eddie Murphy, yeah. Perfect choice, yeah. I mean, there's certainly, like, t- t- tons of actors that are <laughs> that would be great for movies like this. But, yeah, I, just, I look forward to seeing whatever they – I mean, we are we know that there's at least one more just because Netflix bought two. <laughs> so, right, right. So um, let's, uh, let's talk about this a bit. Let's talk about this Netflix thing because this movie opened in theaters, got 600 screens this weekend, and uh, still managed to get number three at the box office um, ahead of, you know, some some, you know, tr- traditional Thanksgiving fair. But in general, just like the fact that a movie like this that's only playing for theaters for one week could amass that amount of money should not be a surprise whatsoever. It should just more be a, you know, a big sign to Netflix as far as like, hey, if you want to make a lot of money before you put it on your streaming service, this would help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I. The per screen average of that was absurd. Of course. And it was only on 600 screens. Like it it beat Black Panther, the number one movie in per screen average, um, which was on, what's that's on like 4,000 screens. Uh huh. And it, it whooped Disney's strange world uh, per screen average. Like I just don't understand because, and how they put it in theaters, not just for this kind of quiet week for it, they didn't really advertised largely that it was in theaters this week. It's not playing everywhere for everybody this week, but this was a movie people were been excited to see and still play. They could have opened it this weekend and then dropped it from theaters the week of Christmas and made a ton of money and still people to watched it like hell on Netflix. Like there's no Netflix. We're in a port with um, the streaming game now. Where it's like, okay, you have your subscribers. Now what? Like, I don't think anyone's signing up for Netflix to watch the new Knives Out. Most of them already have Netflix. And the ones who do will sign up for that free trial and drop it if they, if they, if Knives Out means that much to them. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping this doesn't prevent a physical media release, but this also means we might get a Glass Onion Criterion release in a year, which would that, be crazy. That'd be wonderful. That'd be uh, 
that'd be great. And that's because like Ryan Johnson is one of those guys that loves doing his yeah his uh his home releases. Like he's always got multiple commentary tracks, huge making ofs, deleted scenes, yeah. like all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it would be unfortunate to not get that. I was even waiting. I was waiting for him to. He does these a lot. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for him to drop a um, in theater commentary. He usually like records a separate one that you can mm. download, so you can yeah. go to the theater with your iPod or whatever and listen to the commentary while you watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was hoping he'd drop something like that. <laughs> but I just don't like I don't get it. Like this movie had an open like it would have it would have made good money this weekend. Like it made almost ten million bucks. Well, I mean, it made thirteen over the Wednesday to to Saturday to Sunday, and that was only that was on less than a thousand screens. Like, what are they th- like? Take money, like, and this, well, the last one it, it what, had like a three hundred and some run. Yeah, it, it was like three twelve million worldwide, which is it like it was a very well liked movie. This could have been that you know they call it the breakout sequel, but it could have equaled it because we're in you know different times than when the first one came out. Uh, I yeah, it just it's like I, I was already mad when Netflix bought the rights to this movie or these movies, and like it was like, oh man, now you're taking that away from the theater, and then they throw it in for one week and does this. I, I, do you think there's a chance they extend it one week? I mean, we're, I, we're, we're like hours away from finding out, or no, we're not because it's like it's a Wednesday, so I find out Wednesday, yeah. I guess, when it, but like it'd be great if that did happen. I honestly just don't know. I will say I'd my like my theater was packed. Like yeah, I've really, never seen mine was fairly full like... too for like a Wednesday night show at seven. I saw it with my dad. He had a great time also. Um yeah. and yeah, it was a pretty and people applauded and everything. Like it was like, they're, they're like, yeah, it's a crowd movie. movie. It's a crowd yes. movie. So I don't know about like just because of the deals in place already or whatnot, since it was so advertised as a one week thing. I don't know if it's possible mm-hmm. for them to do it more. I will say ideally, Netflix sees this in like, you know, two years' time or whatever when they make, you know. <laughs> frothy cake a knives out mystery crab um, ribbon a knives out mystery i i can only hope that netflix is like you know what why don't we try a theatrical release as a traditional means of doing something for business and score us some of that sweet sweet hundred million dollar money that we can help mm-hmm. us with our massive debt that we have um i'd like to hope that like amazon has been doing this as far as streamers go like they've been putting movies into theaters uh you know mm-hmm. and as well as their stuff and let alone universal obviously if they're peacock thing and everybody like you know got traditional movie studio i'd like to hope that netflix just figures out hey we have things that people would actually want to see on a big screen we should probably uh deliver that may netflix there's always money in the banana stand okay <laughs> there's always money in the banana stand like yeah Maybe not more yeah. scenes of Arrested Development that didn't go as well as you might have wanted it to, but I mean everything right. else, banana stand. Yeah, speaks to them. Uh, but yeah, they. I mean, they really. I think we're getting backwards here. We're like, oh, maybe we need the theaters for money. Money from the theaters, like, like the, the Disney was being. Well, chapex has gone, so hopefully this means good for theaters. But he wasn't caring at all about theatrical release. I don't understand. I don't understand how the subscriber based system. Well, we're at the point of everybody's already got it. Yes, you want to retain the base, but like they're there already. Like I don't understand. I don't. I I don't get it. And I like I was I was saying too. Like I think there's money even in like Amazon if they were to show the Lord of the Rings show like the night before it dropped on Amazon, you could see it early, see it in the big screen because that show. I've even seen even the commercials for it while uh-huh. I'm in the AMC. Like they play very well looking on the big screen. I'm like that'd be cool too. So if you 
pay, you can watch the episode early and see it in the theater with a crowd or something like that. Or maybe you could buy a season pass to do that too. So you can get it, see it every Thursday or Wednesday before it drops and try to make some cash off that. Like what's it going to hurt? And these are all digital projections. You're not shipping out reels. Like I just don't, I don't understand. Yeah. It's the, I hear you. And like, there's a, there's a utopian version of this where that all makes like easy sense. And when the Marvel dorks go see the new episode of like Loki in the theater, if you, if you taunted them with it and you could see it like a, a week or a day early, like I, and or on the big screen, like why, why not try? I make money after theaters need to evolve. You could change that by showing episodics if you wanted to in you don't have to put it on the biggest screen there, but try it on the small ones for a bit. It's the kind of thing that, yes, experimentation with things like that, as opposed to various screen formats, um, that'd be, you know, mm-hmm. a unique approach as far as getting the attention of the average moviegoer, as far as what yeah. they have to go see. It's like, instead of, In- you know, Black Panther 40X, maybe, uh, yeah, an episode of it, you know, two episodes of Andor back to back. Yeah. And it's not like Disney plus at this time and Netflix are, uh, you know, beholden to advertisers for stuff that they would be maybe fudging a contract by taking away advertising time being in a theater, which you could run those advertisements right before it. Um, but I don't know. It's it's just it's bizarre to me that they aren't taking advantage of the money in the theater, especially Disney. <laughs> like, I mean, when it's not strange worlds, but you have Marvel and Star Wars stuff that people flock to no matter what. So I don't know. It's the kind know, of this like movie should have been there. I yeah I, I yeah I entirely agree. It's 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 just yeah it it I get that it's a riskier time in some ways for film, but it's like I I I would have put money on the table for Glass Out being an easy easy glass win. Glass Out, Glass <laughs> Out, I like it. You know, uh, an, an easy win as far as you mm-hmm. know chasing down some box office revenue before going to a streaming service <laughs> well it was just their their one week so they could have academy like clearance to put i up. imagine i imagine it's a bit of both i imagine that doesn't like i mean they've screened it and whatnot but but well, yeah I mean, I, they, they, but yes yeah, so like you're Roma not you're limited and stuff but you're, this you're not wrong more yeah i mean even then like pinocchio guillermo guillermo del toro's pinocchio has been out for almost a month i mean in theaters it's not playing here yeah, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. it's a it's a handful of screens, but still a few hundred as opposed yeah. to as opposed to you know two in New York and two in L.A. So it's right. like it's like Netflix. It's not like Netflix can't do this. So it's like why not? But yeah, in terms of the 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 technicals involved, yes, having a one week engagement is a clever way to have count for Academy consideration. But it's also like mm-hmm. there's a big crowd pleasing friendly blockbuster potential right here, and it just then mm-hmm. they're just taking it away after I'll be here. We'll see. You know, who knows? Maybe a week from now to be like Netflix announces Glass Onion <laughs> going to be in more theaters. Take that, the whale. <laughs> Less theaters for you, I guess. I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. It's... Like maybe they. I mean, yeah. I th- like this movie could make a killing between now and Christmas. Like I just feel like I feel like this wouldn't even bother. Like Avatar wouldn't even bother this one. Like just like just like a blank. Just like blank name kills blank name and blank blank blank. Yeah. Yes. Oh, blank. Oh, and blank went blank, and yeah, blank. Yeah, yeah a real killing. Blank. Um, yeah, take take those screens from Avatar. That'll go well. 
yeah i mean i mine was playing in like a, one of the smaller screens but like still like it was sold out like crazy so did you get the avatar trailer by the way in front of the glass did not, did not yeah, I, I didn't did either not. i was disappointed um i, I like seeing that trailer <laughs> The weird we got the the Tom Brady one was like the last one that played before it started, which was odd. Got Quantumania, got the M Night one, the top the the old ladies want to go see Tom Brady, and then um, I didn't see that one at all. I just know that movie exists, and I'm like, oh yeah. boy. All right, we're getting off topic. Netflix, mm-hmm. step it up. Get these movie put put your blockbusters in movie theaters. Uh, make make yourself some money. I feel like that could only help. Uh, like I feel like Batista. Like you got Batista in a movie. I'm like that. He's like a like movie star. Like what is he doing? On a, I know his like action movie went to Amazon, but that was supposed to be in theaters. The with the girl during a pandemic, and they tossed it to Amazon, but. Uh-huh. Like he is a movie star. Like his movies are on the big screen. Like I'm, uh, and you got a lot of people. You could argue that for, but I f- I feel like him and like Daniel Craig are two people you don't see in like lots of like de facto cheapy streamies streamers all the time and should warrant being like yeah taken more seriously. But well, when should people go and see Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery? <laughs> If you're listening to this, it might be too late. So you'll have to wait for Netflix. But you should have seen it in the theater. It's just good with the crowd. Um oh, were you supposed to list the options? No, I don't list the options. Or, I just, I'm just right, asking right. you generally, like when oh right, yeah, yeah. I, I this is like a, like you hear people laugh, you laugh together. There's people who will clap, and you know, everybody's pins and needles wanting to solve a mystery with the cast. And it's fun, just like the last one. Like you're losing that doing it at home. Um, there's a communal experience with the theater that works that makes you enjoy a film more. The phone crowd uh, with this one, I don't know. Watching your home, I ain't getting too big about that. It's just destined to be despised uh, for some reason. It's a, and it's a terrific little blockbuster uh, for this holiday season. But if you're listening to this on when's this going out, Aaron? Uh, this is going out as soon as it can get out. So <laughs> you'll have three days after the release of this podcast. There you go. Check your local movie. listings to see if it's playing at a theater near you. So, yeah, theater. Yeah, I would agree. I would say definitely see this in the theater while you can. Hopefully it plays maybe longer and we'll see. And you can have a chance to catch it at some point. But if it that if that's not the case, then unwrap that Christmas present early on December 23rd and pop on glass onion on the old Netflix machine. And do it that way. You know, Netflix could do be like, if you don't go see this in the theater, our thumbnail is going to be the killer of the movie. The coming soon thumbnail. So better see it in the theater. Or your home screen is just going to be a thumbnail of the killer. And then everybody rushes. It makes $2 billion. All right. Well, we've talked about Glass Onion and Eyes Out Mystery. We certainly recommend it. And with that said, that's going to do it for this week's uh, bonus uh, out now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I also write for League of Entertainment and Why So Blue. And I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Brandon Peters, where can people find more of you? Uh, at Brandon4KUHD on Twitter, Instagram. And I'm, I'm on Mastodon. I'm just going to sit and wait to see what happens with these not Twitter social media wars. Um, 
and check my YouTube channel for a look at that Sony box that I talked about. And then uh, why so uh, my podcast, Brad Peter Show, Scott Metals and I going through the Tim Burton stuff. It's been very fun. Uh, check that out. It's his entire filmography from his shorts as a kid to uh, to uh, Dumbo. And then we're going to talk about Wednesday uh, once that wraps up. So when no one's talking about Wednesday anymore, we'll be talking about Wednesday. And uh, also, whysoblue.com. I have got reviews galore coming out. And um, yeah, just check it out. Get yourself some gift ideas. Yeah, I'd certainly recommend you checking out that podcast. I love uh, Scott and Brandon talking Tim. That's a it's a fun show. It should be the title, and um, it's it's certainly an enjoyable listen. Um, uh, you can uh, you can find all the other episodes about now, Thursday, on iTunes, Audible, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at apocalypse@gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on all the socials: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have all the things at Out Now Podcast and various forms of that. You know how you can find our show. Um, let's see. To, again, iTunes reviews ratings helps out there. Um, next episode should be the Fablemans. That should be the main review that we're doing next. But of course, there are still other movies like Strange World, Devotion, Bones, and all a lot of things that have come out that hopefully we'll get some discussion about in some form or another. All of that said, Brandon Peters, thank you very much for joining me for this knives this uh, this out now a knives out mystery bonus special. Thank you for having me. Cannot believe Benoit Blanc did a murder suicide. I don't know how they're going to do a third one. Perhaps a prequel. <laughs> yeah, just, and just a just a head first splat. And, and as he was doing it, he uh, burned all of his DNA at the same time. Uh, so yeah. Oh, listeners, if you've never seen Knives Out, you could walk into Glass Onion and enjoy the heck out of it. It's that. It's like or, that. yeah. I, I just want to say that yeah. I look forward to the person that walks its glass on you. It's like, I never saw Knives Out. I was like, this is also delightful. Look <laughs> all this fun I'm having. <laughs> I want to hear someone react exactly like that. Put it on a on a Twitter video. <laughs> Look at all this fun I'm having. Um, anyway, Brandon, thank you very much again for joining me. Happy to have you here. Thank you. Thanks to listeners for listening. Um, we're heading into December and so even more holidays and whatnot. So everybody just be able to take care of yourselves and what have you. Um, and with all that said, that's going to do it for this bonus episode. So until next time, so long. Oh, and goodbye. That was my block. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>
I'll get my fill. I watch if I watch, you know, watch it online. I'll watch it once and I move on. Yeah, some movies I'll just be like, well, I'm going to movies this weekend. I will watch. I'll wait for the trailer on the theater because I like to see them there. But yeah, I agree. I yeah, this, I agree with you on the trailer. This one. Well, that's sure. the thing too. Like I, I love trailers. Like I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of watching trailers. But I also, yeah. you know, I the more you do this, it's like. How much am I getting out of some of these? Like horror trailers, I don't watch. Horror trailers, I feel like mm-hmm. they, like that does give away stuff that like I just want to like experience. Like beyond just the like the plot, whatever, because I'll forget that. But like in terms of like lead ups to kills or certain things, I'm like, I don't need to see this. I can yeah. especially well, like in, especially like indie horror movies that already have buzz. Where I'm like, right? Do I need like I never watched the her. I've never seen the Hereditary trailer. Never once. <laughs> oh I, yeah, I I get it too. Like there's so many movies. I'm just like I'm just gonna go blind, or I hear, or I see, and I it's it's weird to do that in this day and age. But I can I I can avoid stuff and go and like I saw, and this isn't a horror movie. I saw the first trailer for Tar. Uh-huh. this year and i was like you know what i don't i'm just interested in that yeah i i just and i didn't watch the regular trailer i was yeah. like i just watched the one with her and the smoke coming out of her mouth and i was like i don't know what this is i know i will watch anything Kate blanchett does i haven't this he's doing a film for the first time in how many years and yeah. i was a banger last time i'm in I don't even know what this is. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's a, about a well, composer I was so, or something. Like, I was so off that I thought it was an actual person. That's how far away I was yeah. from, like, knowing what the movie was. Like, oh, so it's that's fictional. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it treated it so, like, yeah. such a distinctly way. It's like, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some German conductor that I just don't know about. I don't yep. know. Yep. So, like, yeah, like that. I'll, I'll do, um, you know, I saw the new M. Night Shyamalan trailer twice this weekend. But mm-hmm. that's by the end of this like... podcast, you know, you can make a decision, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Batista killing it he's this killing weekend. It. He's killing it. <laughs> uh, that that's when we're like, Shyamalan's the kind of guy that has control over his trailers. Like I mm-hmm. like you know, there's you know, like Nolan does or Fincher does. Like they have like right. they they know what they want to put out there. So like I'm willing to go with them on those things. Like I can't always be sure on some of these other ones where it's like, yeah, I can, like mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm already on board. <laughs> so, unless just like art. Like PTA's trailers are art, <laughs> right? Like, it itself is like a story, so it's like great. Yeah, oh I'll, yeah, I'll watch this over and over. Yeah, Jordan Peele's usually he's been Peele's pretty good with his so yeah. far. Like Tarantino knows what he's selling. Like yeah. I mean, if, if if there are so like there are filmmakers that like love the craft in all degrees of things and mm-hmm. want to they they geek out about trailers. They geek about out about their home video releases. So when you see it like a Tarantino movie, I know from experience working on his stuff that every aspect of the way that you've gone with that movie, he has okayed. He mm-hmm. has been like all about it, uh, down to the font on your like blue <laughs> sometimes. But like he's yeah, he's really into it. And I imagine like Jordan Peele is like these guys, and these are the ones that people that you see their movies come out. And they have like worthwhile special features to go with them, so yeah. that's where it's at now with that. Brian Johnson being one of those guys. Yeah. Well, that's been trailer chat. Um, all right, let's. <laughs> let's get to if you this. want more on the trailer for Glass Onion, go back to Out Now with Aaron Abe, episode number. I'll just I'll just hack this off and submit it as a five minute piece on the iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 